Blog Talk Radio. And now it's time for Healing from Within with your host, Tony Valen. Healing from Within. I'm your host, Tony Valen. You can contact me, Tony, at TonyValen.com. Visit our website, HealingFromWithin.net. Follow the show on Twitter, at TVHFW. The show is also available on iTunes and YouTube. Just search Healing From Within with Tony Valen or look for the Tony Valen channel on YouTube. Joining us on today's show is Dr. Roger Teal. Dr. Teal is an author, speaker, and global spiritual leader with his transforming message to help empower people and lead them to their limitless potential to live effectively and joyously. You can learn more about Dr. Roger Teal by going to rogerteal.com or milehighchurch.org. That's milehighchurch.org. Like Roger Teal on Facebook and follow at Roger W. Teal on Twitter. Dr. Teal, welcome to the show. Hey, Tony. Thanks very much. Pleasure to be with you. Well, thank you. My first question to you, as with any of my guests, is what are your gifts and how did your journey begin? (laughs) Well, I believe my gifts to be um, a deep, uh, passionate spiritual life and my willingness to uh, be led into uh, a deeper understanding of that and uh, then to share that with people. And I've always been willing to... uh, explore off the main path, as you will, um, the road less traveled. And uh, it began, my journey began with having what I now understand to be something of a bit of a mystical experience when I was five or six years old as I laid on the lawn of, of outside my parents' house, looking up at the sky and the clouds and such. Uh, I, I felt like I died, like I was no more. I was what I was seeing. And, um, and that was the clouds, the sun, the light. Uh, and, and when I came out of that, um, I, I, there was energy just surging through my body. I remember having to grab onto the, the grass beneath me uh, just uh, for a sense of holding on. And I didn't understand that experience. It frightened me, actually. I hid it away. But uh, a whole lot of spiritual um, longings began to emerge in me in the coming years. I decided I wanted to go to church. My parents were churchgoers. Mm-hmm. But the more I went to church, the less what I was hearing aligned with what seemed to be resident within me now. So uh, that's how my journey began. Uh, I, had, I, be, I began to search for what aligned with uh, the seeming um, sense of realization or the paradigm that I was thrust into in that, that early experience. Mm. Why do you think people forget the fundamental essence of a joy-filled life? I believe it's because, Tony, we, first of all, we forget the natural instincts of the child that we were and that we still are. There is an inner child in every one of us. 
And what we do as we grow old is we begin to listen to and be manipulated by the voices uh, around us telling us how it is to live. And we mm. begin to go after pleasure, and we forget what real joy is. We begin to go after superficial happiness, and we forget the joy of our being or the joy of the spirit, however you want to call it. So, you know, many people, we've been programmed. We've been programmed to, um, that our pleasure and our happiness come from accomplishments, come mm. from money, from things, from getting everything in our life just situated so, getting the right spouse or partner, getting um, the money and the status and all of these things. And the, the challenging and, and actually crushing thing that often happens and even more so um, in this day and age is people realize that, that those things don't bring happiness. Uh, they do bring a fleeting pleasure, and we get addicted to that fleeting pleasure, and we try to maintain that pleasure at all cost. and when we discover that that's not possible, um, we begin to experience pleasures opposite, which is uh, pain. And then um, uh, we, we find ourselves on this roller coaster in pleasure and pain, and and when we find ourselves in prolonged states of that pain, we then look for ways to numb it and uh, uh, anesthetize ourselves, and thus the addictive process that's rife throughout our society. So we're riding this artificial, this inauthentic pleasure-pain roller coaster, and all the while something deep at the center of us already is a part of the joy-filled life and doesn't need all the stuff we were told brought us happiness in order to feel joy. So it, it's like a journey back to something very fundamental and a giving up of all these crutches and these things that we are, um, erroneously thought uh, were our joy and discovering a natural joy within us. And as I write in my book, Tony, this natural joy is not just a, a, a superficial kind of a feeling. It's a deep, rich, powerful feeling. And it is a healing energy, a power energy in us. It's something I believe that's essential for life and without it we don't feel whole. Yeah, I agree. I think that life starts out so simple, becomes complicated, and then we try to gain more to go back to the simplicity. It's very, yeah, yeah it's so <laughs> strange to me. Um, so how do you guide a person to change their feelings on dealing with hard moments, viewing them as teaching moments, not as a punishment? Well, first of all, if we'll go back to your, your prior question about joy, mm -hmm. and it, the more we discover the joy of our being, and, and what, what we discover in the joy of our being is that we are already whole beings. We have just taken on a whole lot of messages that we're not whole, that we're not enough. And therefore, we've got to go out in the world and create enoughness and make ourselves whole and validate ourselves. We have bought into that, that nonsense about ourselves. The truth is, um, our joy surges when we realize that we are whole beings. We're here to create ourselves, not um, fill ourselves. Uh, we're here to express ourselves, uh, not fill an emptiness in our lives. And, and the more we know that, we can, we can stand in that sense of wholeness moment by moment and, and stay in touch with our joy. And that doesn't mean that there won't be challenges in our life. The changes won't come along. The pain won't come along. Loss and, and the challenges that are a part of the human experience. But when we know that we're a spiritual being having a human experience, then we can return to that innate wholeness and spiritual essence and then as we deal with those hard moments, we, we draw from our strength. We're not as frantic. Um, we, we draw from greater inspiration. And we see them as opportunities to reveal that something that is whole and resourceful within us, um, rather than those moments as crushing or as evidence uh, that we're not enough. 
So mm. they're really powerful moments, but we have to do some inner work first so that we stand in our truth rather than um, letting them make us puppets. Yeah. Do you think uh, traditional religion causes the negative thinking and self-judgment? Oh, boy, that's a dicey one, Tony. <laughs> um, but you know what? Um, I, I, I first I want to preface that by saying that um, I don't think that that there's much to be um, gained by religions criticizing one another. I think I'm very much an advocate of interfaith, understanding, cooperation, co-creation. And yet I think whatever the faith it may be, to the degree that it teaches fear and guilt, to the degree that it lessens beings' esteem for themselves, to the degree that it positions the divine as absent from one's life, or perhaps judgmental of, of one's mistakes, to that degree, any faith path has become toxic. And uh, I think that we have to take a look at that. Um, we have to take a look at even our highest sensibilities as beings. We wouldn't create, you know, bring our children forth and then start telling them they're, um, they're nothing and, and trying to design a terrible life for them. I mean, if we're balanced people, we wouldn't ever do that. How yeah. much more the infinite love of the universe would never stoop to that kind of thing. So we do have to um, come out of some of those illusions, and I mean that with all respect to any faith, but we have to come out of some of those illusions and superstitions into something more healthy. Do you... Possibly, and and, I, and if you don't want to answer this, I understand. I just want to ask a little deeper. What are one of those illusions that you think we need to get out of? The, the illusion of a vengeful, um, disinterested, and absent God. And also God um, as um, preferring one groups of, of people over another, or um, God as being um, expressed and accessible only through one particular faith path, um, or what's called exclusivism. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's a very dangerous idea, and um, we're beginning to see the outcroppings of that in, in our own culture and in the world today. And um, I, You know, a long time ago, a guy named J.B. Phillips wrote a book, and the title was, Your God is Too Small. And in some respects, I think the human challenge is that we, rather than um, imagining and being available to the greater uh, um, infinite awareness of the divine, we produce the divine to fit into our own foibles, we anthropomorphize, uh, make God in our own image. And, um, and then we build whole religions and institutions, and then it gets into the political systems, and, and we create a whole lot of trouble. Yeah, I agree. Tell us how you've changed your life and your views. <laughs> my God, my whole, uh, my whole <laughs> life has been a cascade of of shifting views. And, you know, I think that's also, as, as the listeners um, will probably relate, as we greet challenges and experiences in our own life, um, sometimes we think it's all just about removing the problem, removing the pain, and getting into the pleasure zone. Um, but I've realized every experience that's been on my path has brought me some kind of gift. And it's usually the gift of a clear awareness about me and how I'm blocking my joy how I'm blocking my creative abilities, um, my God-given abilities, how I'm, I've fallen into, into what I call duality, thinking that God and God's good are separate from me. Mm-hmm. All of the lessons in my life seem to boil down to getting clearer with myself about who I am, returning to a deeper sense of who I am, so I live out of truth 
and and bring that power forth. And so then then even a really tough experience can actually end up used that way, becoming a profound blessing. So I just see my whole path as teaching me, um, as being my mirror um, and, and growing me. And I also believe that the more we spend time in, in, in the inner life, you know, with times of silence, times of meditation, or just taking a mindful walk where we turn off the chatter of the mind and just are attuning to the spirits, to spirits or nature, or spirit in our inner life, more and more um, we, are, we are evolved by that life. And our, and, and our sense of spirit goes beyond our belief systems. You know, I think belief systems, the initial for belief system is BS for a good reason. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is because so very often we get attached to our current or former ideas about things. Mm-hmm. rather than sitting at the feet of the inner master and letting ourselves grow. And I try to challenge myself to do that. Absolutely. So it's it's like uh, we were talking with a question before, showing people that most difficult times are teaching moments and not necessarily a punishment. Absolutely. Well put, well put. <laughs> so tell us about your New Thought Church. Well, um New thought is an overall umbrella term for a phenomenon that happened in the late 1800, uh, in the 1800s and 1900s, and is now carrying forth into this new millennium um, of of some different ways of thinking about spirituality. Uh, it's a blend of East and Western thought. It also, in our country, was sparked along by the transcendentalists, uh, Emerson and Thoreau and Bronson Alcott and some of those folks and then uh, various new thought leaders who experienced personal healings through uh, the realization of higher truth uh, began various movements. There's the Unity Church Movement, the Religious Science Movement, which is now called Centers for Spiritual Living, and that's the uh, movement that my ministry is a part of. And there are many, many independent um, new thought centers and uh, churches around the world. And basically, they teach um, that all is one, that that there is a universal oneness, which is God or the Spirit, the infinite intelligence and energy of this universe, and everything expresses out of that. Uh, so that's a basic teaching in New Thought Churches. Mm-hmm. And New Thought Churches also teach that every individual is a creative center in this infinite intelligence, this universal mind, such that what goes on in our deepest held beliefs is creative in this universe. If there's a law or a principle that acts upon our beliefs. Thus, when it says, as thou hast believed, so shall it be done unto you, that was the ancients' way of trying to teach a principle, something we understand to be a law of mind, that as within, so without, that our, that our deepest convictions are seeds planted in the universal power that come forth in our experience. And thus, we help people understand that they are co-creators of the tendencies of their experience. And if they want to change their lives, they've got to change their inner lives. They've got to start with changing their thoughts and then rooting out the deeper beliefs and emotional toxins and opening up to a higher truth about themselves and that once they do that and own that their life begins to automatically shift for the better so that's the that's the essence of a new thought church most new thought churches draw from the wisdom um, the mystical wisdom in all the faith paths Um, although we're more um, related to the judeo-christian path we draw from all faiths all bibles uh, wherever we can find truth that and we we use that to make our truth teachings very practical in people's lives so that they can um, use these teachings to heal and, up- and enrich everything in their life. Yeah. 
I introduced you as an author. Uh, you wrote a book titled the, uh, This Life is Joy, Discovering the Spiritual Laws to Live More Powerfully, Lovingly, and Happily. In your book, you talk about the essence, the experience, and the expression. Tell us about that. Well, uh, in the book, um, as I took on um, a lot of lot of different topics, um, the first seven major chapters of the book are really um, about uh, pillars of truth that get a, give people a, a foundation. And then the part three has nine portals of transformation, and those deal with some of the biggest challenges in life, whether it's fear or problems or judgment mm. or conflict, disease, uh, change, uncertainty, risk, those kinds of things. Um, but in every chapter, I wanted to make it really easy for people to travel through it. So the first part of every chapter is um, the essence. And that's where I try to just express the essence of the principle that I'm trying to bring forth. Then I shift to the second part of each chapter, the experience. And I give real-life experiences, a whole lot of them from my own life, mm-hmm. but many respected illustrations from other people's lives where they, through the lens of their experience, realized or lived the, the the principle that we speak of in the first portion, the essence. And then the last portion is the expression, and that's how the reader can put it to work in their life, um, how they can take that principle, some suggestions about um, ways they can live it in their life. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Talk to the listeners about opening our souls. In other words, uh, the the seven principles uh, that are are universal to the world of wisdom traditions. Well, you know, there there really is um, a, another way to understand what life is. And to do that, we have to move from the appearances of life and the material dimension of life, um, which is so uh, enticing and so involving of us. We have to move to the inner side of life. And um, so I start with some basic premises in those uh, first seven chapters, uh, I, I helped them, first of all, learn that love, that God is love. Now, it doesn't say in the Bible that God is loving. No, mm-hmm. God is love. And the first chapter is this instant is love. One of the really, uh, really heartbreaking things about the standard human consciousness at this level of development, Tony, is that we have um, forgotten that we are loved. We have forgotten that all of creation things of the love of God. We have forgotten that there's no place where we are not lavished and immersed in the love of God. We have forgotten that we are precious to the divine because we are the expression of the divine. We have forgotten the power of love. Oh, I mean, romantics sing of love, poets sing of love, and we use love casually and sometimes carelessly in our language. But the reality of a universal, unconditional spiritual love that is not only with us all the time, but within us all the time, has largely been lost uh, or just stored away as an intellectual concept, not a, a deep, profound experience. So the book starts out by proclaiming that you live, move, and have your being in the love that has created it all. And you can draw upon that, and you can also learn then to transform your own uh, sense of yourself. Yeah. in this omnipresent love. Absolutely. And then, then I build on that by also presenting the idea that as beings, as spiritual beings, we are actually beings of light, not material beings. Um, 
I think of this, these bodies of ours as something like uh, biodegradable time suits that we wear. Mm-hmm. So the, the spiritual part of us, or you could call it the soul if you choose, has a vehicle through which to express. But we confuse the body vehicle uh, with the one, the, the essence that we are that is expressing and learning and relating through this vehicle. It's almost like um, we've forgotten the computer operator that we are that's running the computer, and we're just caught up in the automatic programming that has been put into the computer. And uh, there's more to us. And so I talk about the light being that everybody is. Um, as a spiritual being, we're more like light than matter. And I know this seems like a um, maybe it's like kind of an obscure concept, but uh, it's a very powerful thing to know. You know, when when Jesus in the Bible said, let your light so shine, I think he, he knew, because he had that kind of spiritual vision to see it, that really that's what our soul is. It's an expression of the infinite light of the divine. And we have lost track of that just as surely as we've lost track of the uh, love that is the divine. So this chapter helps us understand we are one with God, that we are an expression of God's life, just like every ray of light from the sun is an expression of that infinite sun, so to speak, that, that huge sun. And that we can interact with people differently if we understand that they are they too are beings of light. And that sort of leads to some of the other chapters, but that, that's sort of the foundational point of this thing. Um, that love is all there is, and we are of that, and we are beings of light, and we can understand and live by that even more powerfully. Right. Do you want me to go on with an expression of the other seven, Tony? Absolutely, I'd love to, yeah, because I think that's important. I mean, like, what you basically have said so far is that as soon as, and this is my take on it, we basically just have to stop judging, stop fearing, and just live simply with the simplicity of love, and, and we can find that inner peace and happiness. Am I correct? Absolutely. That is rediscovering our higher nature. Yes, yes. And we have gotten so much uh, attuned to our worldly personality and our fearful ego that we have forgotten that we are not fear-based beings. We are love-based beings. We have forgotten that um, we are immortal beings. We have taken on so much of the fear that has been broadcast by religions, by governments, by fear mongers out there galore, and we've become fear-based. And anybody who's fear-based can be so easily manipulated. This is not just a feel-good book. This is also inviting people to return to their power. And, And their power is found in truth separating the wheat from the chaff and really knowing who they are. And then I go on in the third chapter, which is this world is consciousness, to help help people understand that the invisible world is reality, not the visible world. And this is what quantum science has told us. Finally, in their search for the smallest particle of matter, quantum physics has realized that reality is consciousness, that matter um, emerges out of, uh, seeps out of, uh, a field of potentiality, of information and energy uh, that is infinite. And and so this is aligned with the ageless wisdom of the awakened masters. They've tried to tell us that then an invisible reality births the visible reality. Now, we're pretty much caught up in the visible reality. We've lost track yeah. that this world is consciousness. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is we've lost track that we too are consciousness. 
and that what we do with our own personal consciousness, which means our our ideas and beliefs, but also our feelings and convictions, what we do with that inner world sets the tenor of what we create in our outer world. Um, so we have lost track of the creativity of consciousness. This chapter helps us come back to realizing that as we change the inner reality, then our outer lives change. Now, most people are busy doing everything they can do to manipulate their outer world to be more to their liking, to create more of that superficial pleasure we talk about. Yeah. You know, some pleasure in the bad thing. Mm-hmm. But most people are working at the level of the outer things of their life and the outer conditions of their life. And they have forgotten that changing those things requires changing the inner seeds that grew into those outer things. So that's why it's so frustrating for some people to change their lives, improve their lives, because they're not working at the causal level. And in this chapter, this world is consciousness, helps them realize that what they do with their own consciousness is what's causal in their lives. And they can they can effort till they're blue in the face to change their outer life, but if they keep the same old seeds planted, it's going to grow the same old harvest. Mm-hmm. So you've got to uproot the old, you've got to plant the higher truths and start from the basics of life. And then, then life begins to change with grace, with greater ease, and, and shows up better than we ever could have designed for ourselves. Absolutely. Practice what you preach. Yeah, yeah. It's the hermetic teaching, as within, so without, as above, so below. So this is this is calling people to realize that they are not victims, that life hasn't just garbage trucked them. You know, the garbage truck of life has pulled up to their doorstep and dumped a bunch of junk in their life, and, and they're stuck in it. Um, of course, there's a lot of voices out there of blame and victimhood who would say that. Um, but that's not the way it works. Um, we are creative beings. Now, we may have walked through some really tough times and feel like we're victimized. I agree that it's possible, especially when other people um, intervene in our own lives. It's possible to be victimized, but that does not make us victims. To, to decide that I am a victim is a choice I make in a victimizing situation. I can also go back and say, I'm going to make a new decision. That may have been a victimizing situation, but I proclaim that I'm a creator. I proclaim that I can do something new here. I proclaim that I am love. I proclaim I proclaim that I am receiving the gift of healing from this situation, and I'm letting it move forth in my life. This is the kind of work that I do in the book. That's what we do in our center. And we, we help people um, take off a bunch of old identities that they have put on and that they're attached to and put on higher identities, and then they see their lives totally shift because they're no longer putting out into the creative universe. I'm a victim. I'm limited. I'm, I'm strapped. My life never works. They, they get off of that, and life then can start start to work for them. This is Tony Balin, host of Healing From Within. You can contact me, Tony, at TonyBalin.com or visit our website, HealingFromWithin.net. Follow the show on Twitter, at TVHFW. The show is also available on iTunes and YouTube. Just search Healing From Within with Tony Valen or look for the Tony Valen channel on YouTube. We're talking to our guest, Dr. Roger Teal. Dr. Teal is an author, speaker, global spiritual leader, and his transforming message has helped empower people and lead them into their limitless potential of to live effectively and joyously. You can learn more about Dr. Teal by going to rogerteal.com or milehighchurch.org, milehighchurch.org. 
like Roger Teal on Facebook and follow at Roger W. Teal on Twitter. Dr. Teal, what is heart work? Well, heart work is um, something I talk about all through um, the book um, because um, all of these seven principles, um, we've talked about three of them, um, heart work um, is, is how we attune to the truth of our being. Um, we know truth not from our intellect, but we know truth from our heart. And there's been a lot of work done in research groups like HeartMath and others that has just begun to reveal to us that the seat of our greatest intelligence is not the brain, but the heart. The research even shows that the heart knows what is coming forth on our path um, even before it has happened to us. And, and that the heart brings forth our highest quality of intelligence and action. And again, in our culture, since we're so much about getting and having and the outer life, we've lost track of this radiance and power of our heart. And uh, we live in our heads and uh, or in our emotional body. And yet there is this place where the love of the divine uh, expresses in our being and in our body, and it's called the heart center, the heart chakra. And uh, one of the most transforming things in my life that I write about in the book, Tony, is is when through a betrayal and a wounding that really crushed me, I actually was brought, as I explored later on, explored that event from another perspective, brought me to the realization that I was living with a closed and protected heart. Hmm. And then I did the inner work to open my heart and brought myself into this incredible experience of who I really am and what God really is. And it totally transformed everything in my life, Tony. And this, this work happened in my early 30s. So I had several decades of my life of, of living um, fear and living closed from my heart, unaware of the power of this. And so, so much of the transform, transformative aspect of this book and of what I'm about is, is to not discount the heart. The heart is more than just a mushy, romantic, feel-good thing. Oh, no, no. The heart is the, the true power base of a spiritually-led life. And not, we don't know God in our heads. We know God in our hearts. And um, we don't express our power um, through force and through um, worldly means, but through our heart. And so throughout the whole book is, is this whole thing of heart. We're in the conclusion. Um, is entitled This Mastery is Heart. And uh, so that's what it's all about. Right. So uh, go a little more into detail when, because uh, I'm, I'm referring to the book when you, you talk about heart centered living and the divine love, light, and joy. How can people find that? Or is there certain things we should be doing to help us get to that point? Uh, yeah, this is beautiful. And in fact, I'm doing a, a series, a cassette. Not cassette, that's old stuff. A CD. Uh, series. <laughs> uh, yeah, anybody remember those? Um, there's a CD series uh, called Heartwork um, in, in collaboration with Sounds True. And um, at any rate, so there'll be more resources available. But at the end of the book, I, I actually um, have a heart opening exercise that an individual can read and then they can put, the, put it down and then just do it. And it basically invites them um, to become still to become quiet, to put their cares and concerns aside and focus their attention on the center of their chest, their heart chakra. And then I lead them through some exercises whereby 
they can allow the, the very natural coverings or doors over the heart to begin to gradually open and, and to encourage that, not force it, but to encourage that. And inevitably, as, as an individual does that, they, they begin to feel a warming there at their heart center. Um, and, and the heart center is a physical location for a non-physical uh, spiritual vortex. And that spiritual vortex is the heart chakra. Uh, but it correlates with the actual heart organ and the heart center in the center of our chest. And the more we just imagine that those protections and fears falling away and opening gradually, there's a warming that goes on. And I wouldn't be surprised that some of the listeners are actually beginning to experience this as I'm speaking it. And mm. um, as as more and more that, that opening is encouraged, that warming gets more intense, the quickening gets more intense. And and even the, 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 the sense that this is light as well, a radiance, begins to be perceived. Now, you don't see it with your physical eyes, you see it with your spiritual eyes, um, or the eye behind the eye. And, and, and that radiance begins to increase. And when one just spends some beautiful time opening their hearts in this way and sensing that light and realizing that they are a being of that light, that has an enormously empowering and healing effect. The more you spend time in that, it's easier then to remember that who we are is joy, that who we are is spirit, and that this that we're experiencing is really who we are, that this was what it means to be a spiritual being. It means to be centered in the heart and to be bringing forth the qualities of the divine in our life. Tony, I believe that every person is a God in miniature. But when it says um, in Genesis that we're made in the, after the image and likeness of God, and by the way, many Bible scholars retranslate likeness into nature, that we're made in the image and after the nature of the divine, mm-hmm. that, that that's absolutely the truth, that every one of us um, duplicates the divine nature, that we're like a God in miniature, that we're creative consciousness, able to create our own personal universe, that we are beings of love, for God is love. We're beings of light. And um, so spending time in doing this heart work is, is very powerful. Back in that uh, those seven pillars of truth, um, I talk about ideas as substance. When you know in your heart that you're one with God, then, then you can choose a higher idea about yourself. That you're not every all of the, the hurtful things you've said about yourself or others have said about you that you may have accepted. You're not all that stuff. Um, that you, you are a higher thing, that you're, you're, you're divine, that you're loving, that you're beautiful, that you're more than your past and more than your experience. You can really know that of a certainty. And then you can choose a higher idea about your experience. Um, and that's the way, think about back in Genesis, God said, let there be, and there was. God had the idea first, and then a power went to work on that idea that produced the universe and, and the heavens and the earth and, and everything about it, mm. and you and me. And yeah. so we can do that same thing, choose that higher idea. And then set it forth in the universe to show up in our life. This is the exciting new path that's available to everybody uh, to not only transform their, their life experiences, but to know the joy of life and the truth of their being. Yeah. So how do we allow, not force, but allow the opening of our souls? Well, <clears throat> the, anything we force... Uh, sets up for us an automatic resistance. Yeah. And, you know, most of us have um, been taught the ways of human forcing. 
Um, a great uh, teacher, David Hawkins, wrote a landmark book, Power Versus Force. And he talks about all of the fear-based emotions, starting at the very lowest level, calibrating um, through his kinesiology methods, calibrating at shame and guilt and, and, and all and control and force. All of those means of forcing um, are fear-based, and thus they do not have any real inherent power. Okay, so anything that we force is not accessing power. So we have to take a look at that. Where am I forcing things in my life? You know, and, and where, you know, we, we try to force and coerce others. We try to force things to change in our life without changing what caused them, which is always within us. Uh, we, we try to force, force, force. Why? Because we're afraid things aren't going to be what we need them to be. We're afraid people are going to leave us. We're afraid people aren't going to love us. We're afraid for our future. We live in fear, and so we try to force things. Power starts to show up when we open our hearts. When we start allowing the energetic of love to start moving in, not as a, not as a frilly concept, but as a spiritual reality, when we, when we open to that love, we move into the power zone, the zone of true power. And so as we do spiritual work, and your question is about um, um, how, to, uh, how do we allow not force the opening uh, of our soul, is, mm-hmm. is to understand that we must start with the heart. We must go to that place of true power, which is heart energy, and become established there. And then, then we can start to trust again. And this is a very important thing. Um, you know, when you've taken a lot of ideas in, such as um, only certain people are spiritual, God only blesses certain people, the good of God is only sparingly distributed to just a few who are lucky, um, or God may test me and uh, withhold from me, and um, the divine may not approve of me, and I may not be worthy. Uh, I'm a worm of the dust, um, fallen and originally tainted. You know, as we take on that kind of thing, trust vanishes. And, and yeah. so that's also why we force. Well, when we stand in that love, and, and it says in the Bible, I will, I, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, thou art my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. As we start reestablishing ourselves in, in our hearts, then we can move into a new kind of trusting again. It's like we heal with the divine. and I mean, the divine's whole anyway, but we heal. Mm-hmm. And we, we can start to trust and surrender. Uh, and one of my chapters is this journey of surrender. We can start to trust again. And let the divine start growing us. Uh, it says, ask and you shall receive. Ask believing and you shall receive. So, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. There's so much intention of the divine to grow us. But the divine has also made us free-choosing beings on our own path of becoming spiritually aware. Um, and so the divine will never intervene on our choices. However, when we get established in our heart, then we can trust again, surrender again, and allow ourselves to start growing in a brand new way. Plus then, 
in that trust place, we can also see every experience, as I said earlier, as um, an opportunity to grow and to use our spiritual powers to awaken even more fully. So that's the path I see. I hope that answers uh, your question, uh, Tony. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's, uh, once again, you know, that's, uh, I feel that the most difficult times in our lives are our teachers. And I, this is just me, Tony Valen, talking, but I, I truly believe that we live life so that we can learn unconditional love by going through different hardships, you know, right. to getting to that point. That's absolutely right. And, and you know, in the, in the third part of the book, which is the largest part of the book, I take on some of the things that can drop us to our knees, whether it's fear or disease or problems, uh, conflict, judgment, you know, yeah. changes and uncertainty, risks and things like that, and, 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 and seek to take us out of the fear-based understanding of those experiences as bigger than we are, as, as terrible, awful to be avoided at any cost, and, but, but, but they can't be avoided. And, and I, I, sh- I offer perspectives wherein standing in this place of, of, of the heart, we realize that actually those things aren't the, the, the terrible dragons we had them all sized up to be in the first place. <laughs> They're not that. For instance, in that one chapter, this fear is friend. You know, most people think of fear as a terrible thing, as an indication of their weakness and all that kind of stuff. They think ill of themselves when they're afraid. Mm-hmm. Or they feel the fear is uh, their weakness, their indictment. I, I say, what if fear is a friend? What if fear is a friend that comes along when we're actually genuinely seeking to grow, try something new, stretch? What if fear is a friend that comes along when we're in the midst of something difficult in our life, um, maybe some bad news or a problem crops up in our life? What if fear is a friend actually tapping us on our shoulder saying, you're not sitting in your greatest power here. You're not standing in your greatest power. You're standing in my fear energy, but my fear was actually meant to be a cue for you to come back to your heart and to step into your your true power, which is this unconditional love energy in you. So what if fear is a friend alerting us that we have strayed from our, our, our seat of true power? And calling us back to that. So then fear comes along and we say, oh, thank you. Thank you, dear friend, for reminding me of who I am. And I'm going to get back into this. And so then all of a sudden we don't beat ourselves up. We become afraid. We acknowledge the fear and we call in the love. That's just one instance of that. Problems. We all have problems from time time to time. But the very way we use the word, we give it a sense of gravity and, and bigger energy. It's my problem, something that can't be solved. What if problems are actually openings to possibility? And that, that, that's chapter nine. This problem is possibility, uncertainty. You know, a whole lot of people go around acting like they know it all. The truth is we're uncertain about a lot of stuff. And then, you know, things come along in yeah. our lives. What if, what if uncertainty is actually magic? What if our uncertainty is actually a springboard into understanding something, knowing something greater than we've ever imagined that we do not know yet? You know, change. Uh, everybody rushes away from change. <laughs> tries tries to limit change when, you know, change is inevitable in every area of our worldly human experience. But what if what if we shifted out of seeing change as a bad thing and saw change as birth? That's one of the chapters. The change yeah. is birth. That the change or the crisis is actually our birthing. Birthing of something greater in our lives. 
you know, back in the the Great Recession times, Tony, the 2008 through 13, 14, well, however long, I, I saw in our culture more fear afoot than I've seen in a long time. I got to imagine that though I wasn't um, um, born during the, the World War II times, that there had to be that same kind of fear afoot in the world. And, you know, fear is pervasive. But, you know, I saw so much fear because people had placed their sense of security in money and investments and, and an enormous change and a lot of the lack of integrity was going on uh, but enormous changes occurred and uh, and I had to do so much work with people to help them not get swallowed up into quicksand of this fear energy but there's something else that I saw a lot of I saw a lot of people say finally once they got out of their panic saying I never liked that damn job anyway <laughs> um, you know I and and now since I've lost it lost this job maybe I'm going to give what I really want to do a chance yeah you know and I I know of dozens and dozens of people who birthed all new levels of expression and found their true joy because they they got out of the, of the enslavement to money and to an old job they'd sold their souls to to money and stuff change you know it can be difficult no doubt about it but it, we got to ask, what opportunity is this? What what's seeking to be birthed here? Yeah. And sometimes there are labor pains with any birth, but always what we receive is a beautiful thing. So that's that kind of stance for love is what uh, what I bring forth. And so all of these these the boogeymen of life, mm-hmm. I, I try to show the higher light of them that we really that is really true for us when we stand in a new place of identifying ourselves as spiritual beings, as beings of love and light, as linked to our power source right now, no matter what's going on in life, the options that are available. One of them is disease. We've got a few moments. I, can I talk about that, though? Absolutely. Please do. You know, um, we, these bodies of ours, um, we do the best we can um, to keep them healthy, although a lot of our um, tendencies in, in uh, GMOs and everything like that maybe I shouldn't get into but um, we sabotage our bodies a whole lot and yet the truth is that these bodies um, are biodegradable time suits in this dimension they're of this dimension they're subject to change as well and one way or another um, these bodies can stop working optimally but one thing that I talk about in the chapter um, this disease is discovery is that very often we we don't get the messages that the, the disease is trying to give us. We just try to remove the disease. But sometimes the disease is trying to give us, the first thing is an awareness message, um, that somehow or another the ways, our ideas, our judgments, our conclusions, our ways of being are, are interfering with the natural um, wholeness of our bodies. You know, and it's pretty typical to mind-body connections being well established and if we are carrying a whole lot of toxins of 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 thought uh, in and um a lot of whole negative feelings i'm not worth much no matter i'm a failure um life's against me i'm not creative all those kinds of things that that's going to have an ill effect on the body and it can surface as disease and so it's the gift of of being sick for a time might think what what in, is there an awareness message here that i need to clean up my awareness the second message 
is that simply the body is asking for something. It's body messages. This body is a part of this dimension, and it needs things. Just like our cars need um, tune-ups. They need oil. They need uh, those kinds of things. Our bodies need rest. They need nutrients. They, and so sometimes our sicknesses of the body saying, just give me a little help. You're stuffing all manner of stress and, and emotional mental toxins in me, and you won't even change the oil. You won't even get a, a massage. You won't, get, you won't eat better. You, you keep dumping trash. Then help. And then, even more powerfully, there's the third message, and that is often disease are soul messages, uh, a messenger of the soul. Um, through sickness, sometimes it's our soul trying to communicate to us because we're so out of touch with our soul, the voice of the soul, the inner voice. Um, it's, it's the soul trying to call us to perhaps love more and play more rather than work constantly. Or maybe it's the soul inviting us to, to let go of the guilts that we have harbored, the shame. Maybe it's our souls encouraging us to let change make us new, not let, us our, not let our fear of change keep squashing our life. Uh, say yes to that change. Do the thing we want to do. Say yes to the dream that's been on a back burner forever and a day. Sometimes it's the soul's voice of, of calling us to be more grateful, to stand in more awe, and wonder in this life of ours um, to slow down. Um, and sometimes it's the soul saying, would you, would you find your voice and really speak your truth finally? And, some, and sometimes it's the, the very sicknesses in the body which are soul messages calling us to something deeper, calling us to our hearts often. And so we can often then look to these messages when, when things aren't working as well in the body and let disease bring us the gifts that it has, those illnesses. Inevitably, um, there's a difference between curing and healing. Now, curing is where we just treat the symptoms, and that's what much of our Western medical work is. It's just, yeah. you know, treat the symptom. Healing mm-hmm. is, what's the inner cause? What's something deeper that I can, that heals, that would automatically bless the body? And I, I think we need to get clear about the difference between curing and healing. You know, I mean, in a, in a relationship, for instance, if the relationship has gone sour, a couple might go to a therapist, and the recommendation might be, well, give each other some more space. You know, just just develop your hobbies and give each other more space, and you won't have as much conflict. And that that seems like a reasonable cure, but the relationship is still sick, and there's a deeper healing, coming together at a deeper intimacy level, intimacy level, opening hearts um, to one another. The real healing has, is not just at the surface level. And as with our pleasure that we seek in life and happiness sometimes being surface level, thus we're separated from our deep joy, so too we look for surface cures rather than the central healing that, that grows us and transforms us, not just um, appeases situations and, and conditions. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Teal, can you tell our listeners where they can find your book to purchase? Oh, boy. Go to Amazon.com, and you can get uh, my book, which is, again, titled This Life is Joy, Discovering the Spiritual Laws to Live More Powerfully, Lovingly, and Happily. You can go to Amazon and, and order a hard copy. You can order it as an e-book on Amazon, and you can find out more about me um, through the center that I um, um, am, I'm the senior minister of Mile 
High Church. It's a spiritual center here in uh, West Denver and a very, very large center, many thousands of members, uh, many programs and opportunities to grow. You can order the book through our bookstore at milehighchurch.org. And Mile High is spelled H-I, mm-hmm. so milehighchurch.org. Or um, you can go to my website to find out more about me. You can't purchase the book on my website, but rogerteal.com. Um, some more interviews I've done are available to listen to and other resources there. Wonderful. And in our last remaining minutes, uh, what's next for Dr. Teal? <laughs> you know what? Um, I I want to do more of what I'm doing with you here, Tony. I want to take this, this message um, beyond my very large and beautiful community here at Mile High Church. I want to take it out into the world more. Uh, I'll be writing more, uh, but I really believe in this book. I I feel like this, this book could really help a lot of people because it shifts your whole sense of what life is and who you are. And then it gives you a roadmap uh, about how to deal with the most difficult parts of life. So I want to get out and promote that so that um, it brings support and good to people. And the the foreword is done by Wayne Dyer, um, a dear friend of mine who sadly Mm. passed here recently. And another friend of mine, uh, Michael Beckwith, Michael Bernard Beckwith, a colleague of mine. And So I just invite the readers to take in the book, but that's, that's kind of where I'm heading. That's wonderful. Well, Dr. Teal, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Um, definitely everyone check out his book uh, titled This Life is Joy, Discovering the Spiritual Laws to Live More Powerfully, Lovingly, and Happily. Our thanks to Dr. Teal. Dr. Teal is an author, speaker, global spiritual leader with his transforming message to help empower people and lead them to their limitless potential to live effectively and joyously. You can learn more about Dr. Teal by going to rogerteal.com or go to milehighchurch.org. That's milehichurch.org. Like Roger Teal on Facebook and follow at Roger W. Teal on Twitter. You are listening to Healing from Within with Tony Valen here on Block Talk Radio, airing Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central. Visit our website, healingfromwithin.net. Contact me directly, Tony, at tonyvalen.com. Please follow the show on Twitter at TVHFW. The show is also available on iTunes and YouTube. Just search Healing From Within with Tony Valen or look for the Tony Valen channel on YouTube. Thank you so much and love and light from all of us here at Healing From Within. <music> 